You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WBET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. Every weekday on WDET, when I get done with Detroit Today, we go straight to a show called On Point from WBUR in Boston, a national public affairs show that dissects some of the most critical national topics and issues of the day. Now, some changes are coming to that program. Most importantly, it's going from a two-hour show to a single hour. The program will continue to take deep looks at the news and issues affecting us all in this troubling time in America. And its host, Magna Chakrabarty, will keep bringing you some of the most compelling conversations you hear each day right here on WDET. Right now, I'd like to welcome On Point host Magna Chakrabarty to talk about these changes and what they mean for the program. Megna, welcome to Detroit Today. Now, Stephen, I've been lucky enough to have you on my show several times. This is my first time on the other side of the mic with you, so be kind. That's okay? right. We're <laughs> flipping the seats here. <laughs> no, it's really great to have you here on, the, on Detroit Today. And I will say for our listeners' sake, before all the madness of COVID-19 took over our lives, we were talking about having Megna come here to Detroit yes. and to do some shows. We would do Detroit Today, and then we could do On Point as well, and that would have been cool. We have to make sure that uh, we get that back on the calendar. Yeah, I haven't let go of that dream. It yeah. will happen. Yes, it will. Maybe in 2021. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I, I want to start with uh, you talking to our listeners about what is changing at On Point and why. So as you said, Stephen, the biggest change is that it's going from a two-hour show to a one-hour show. And, you know, at first blush, that might seem like, oh, okay, well, they're just doing half as much work. But that is not the case at all. <laughs> uh, we basically decided that the intensity of all the issues that all of us are trying to think through at this moment really required us to take the same number of people we had on staff and give them more time to do great journalism um, and spend more time producing each show. Mm. So that meant um, basically taking the same resources and distilling them into um, a, a one-hour show versus a two-hour show. Uh, and that's going to allow our producers to do all sorts of really exciting things, do more reporting, um, reach out to more diverse voices that sometimes we just don't have time to find, um, and to really think through each hour in a way that hopefully gets us to a deeper place. So we, we want to mix um, the great strengths of narrative journalism, and then, as you know, uh, the great joys and surprises of live radio. We want to try and mix that together into hopefully what's a, com a really compelling hour top to bottom every day. So that's that's the biggest change, and we felt that it was necessary right now, again, because, I mean, you can't wake up yeah. without thinking, wow, how do I figure out just how to get through this day? And yeah. so we, we felt like we needed to, to change the show to meet this moment. Well, there's just so much to, to try to deal with. And uh, a recent show was was a really good example. Uh, we had the whole show planned out. And then uh, at the end of uh, the day, uh, the, the attorney general in Kentucky mm -hmm. announced that they weren't going to charge any of the police officers mm -hmm. in the killing of Breonna Taylor. It, it was like you had to rethink things almost from the beginning. I mean, you had to find a way to, to make that part of the show as well. And it seems like that happens way more frequently right now than it, than it normally oh, does. Oh, yeah. Like uh, practically every day. Yeah. And, and the real challenge for a show like ours is, you know, there's going to be very good reporting and headline news coming out from other places. And people will have access to that, right? I mm -hmm. mean, the people will 
hear from um, reporters in Kentucky, for example, um, or when it comes to national news, there are some pretty big outfits that that do good work on that. So we're trying to find this zone where it's like, okay, you've heard the headlines, but now, like, how do we make sense of this moment? Mm-hmm. So we're trying. It's I think like thoughtful analysis is where the, the sweet spot we're really looking for, um, and so that takes. It's kind of a little. It's a different muscle than um, seeing. You know, okay, we have to react to this thing that happened just yesterday. Well, we do have to react to it, but we also want to be proactive and say, okay, well, this is what we have to think about next. Then, yeah. and and one of the things that I think defines shows like On Point, and of course, we hope Detroit Today as well, is conversation. Mm-hmm. That these are not just interviews that we're doing with people that we bring on the show, but that we're reaching the level of an actual. Intellectual exchange, not just with the the one guest, but in some in some cases, you know, among guests, if you have two or three, you want them to actually be talking with one another, not just answering questions. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and by the way. Your listeners are so lucky, Stephen, because you do that. <laughs> we try. You do. No, you do. And you did that with me just the other day when we were talking about um, – about the Supreme Court. And, you know, we were we were digging deep about ideas of sort of fundamental truths or things that we accept about our democratic institutions yeah. um, and what they were what they were founded on, the inequities that mm-hmm. they were founded on. And, and you had some you had some deep analysis there. We <laughs> talked about it. we did. <laughs> so so I, I completely agree. And a lot of times and I'm sure you do this, too, uh, on on Detroit Today. But a lot of times I'll even just sort of sit back a little and mm-hmm. say and, and tell guests, like, don't talk to each other about this because I want to listen how, to how you guys engage with this. And um, when people are willing to be brave, I think, and sort of uh, be vulnerable in those moments, like, Special things happen. I think we get to a place in understanding each other and understanding where people are coming from yeah. more than than usual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Meghna Chakrabarty. She is the host of WBUR's On Point, which you hear right here on WDET weekdays at 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. right after Detroit Today. Uh, Magna, I think uh, our listeners feel like they know you because they hear you every day on the air. Um, but I don't know that many people know your background and how you became host of On Point. Tell us a little more about yeah, that. It was uh, not the life plan. <laughs> <laughs> so so seldom uh, are the plans we make to what actually happens. I mean, look, I'm super fortunate to be able to say that having this amazing job was not my life plan. Um, I, like, landed somewhere better than I could have ever hoped for. But, you know, like, I... Um, I grew up in a in a family of scientists, and like being a scientist or an engineer was that was the path. <laughs> um, and I look, I loved it. Like my degrees, my undergraduate degrees are in are in engineering. Um, and I actually think that uh, uh, growing up in a scientific family and uh, doing my education in science actually uh, trained my brain in a certain way, which is useful for this job. But um, no, so what happened was I. Uh, was in grad school, like doing my grad school thing and loving the classes. But then when it came time to actually like seek a job out, Mm -hmm. like to find a gainful employment, (laughs) I just wasn't as motivated as I should have been. And that was the wake up call because my dad used to say, this is a story I tell all the time, but my dad used to say when I was a kid, because he was like so in love with science, he said, 
in Magna, in order to be a great scientist, you have to love it so much that you're you're awake at night. It keeps you up at night thinking about what are you going to try in the lab the next day. I mean, wow. he was talking about passion, right? And um, and I was finding that like it wasn't keeping me up at night <laughs> with passion. <laughs> the science was. Yeah. So then I, I um, so then it came. Then what happened was basically a combination of uh, uh, just pigheadedness and luck, and I ended up interning here at WBUR and falling in love with what I felt like great journalism could be, getting that first Mm. taste. And that was the that was the luck part. People let me in. Um, And then I just kind of I wouldn't leave. So 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 what was it about journalism, though? I mean, that that is a that is a uh, an incredible journey from science to reporting and, and now hosting what was it about journalism that made made you feel that passion? So I think I think you'll understand you in particular, Stephen, will understand when I say that there's this we have this drive, not just us, I mean, listeners of course too, but this drive to really understand the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, whether it's how, how did my local representative come to the decision to vote for X bill in their state house? Or um, how is it that, um, let's say, you know, sort of data journalism brings about a bigger understanding of the per- the percentage of children living in poverty in the United States? Well, why is that? So just trying to figure out the world is just like this compulsive force. Mm-hmm. And journalism is one of, one of those fortunate fields when when done right we kind of we take a step forward in figuring it out and i found i I was like addicted to that i really was um and you know there's all sorts of different kinds of journalism investigative etc but the sort of let's figure this out um or let's reveal something um was uh was catnip for me because you know you never stop being a student of the world yeah. You know, I, I have described that same kind of feeling um, as uh, as almost akin to a drug. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I always felt it um, when I when I was a newspaper uh, journalist for a long time, whenever you finished a piece, not when it was published in the newspaper and you saw your your name in the paper with your byline and things like that. But when you hit send on yeah. that, that that story or that editorial or that column, it, there was this incredible rush that, that I would feel that I think is really hard to match in other places. Now, I've found it, again, on radio, but in the same kind of space that, yeah. that when, you, when you finish that, that thing that you're working on or you get to that point in the show that you were working toward, there is, there is almost nothing that could rival that. You know, the only thing that rivals it to me is the secondary rush that we that I get sometimes. Um, I'll give you an example. So when I was working on the local show here in Boston, and by the way, we have to talk about the importance of local journalism. Yes. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we used to do these big, long series um, that were really locally focused. Like one, one time we did um, a series about General Electric and its longstanding history in the western part of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a part of the state that 
isn't discussed enough. So we spent forever doing this series, and it was long and complicated and actually somewhat hard to listen to, I think. But but people from the western part of the state reached out, and they were like, this is the most accurate and fair depiction of this corporation in in our communities that we've ever heard. And mm. so when when your very community comes back to you or your listenership or your readership and and says, "You know what? This is this is the story that needed to be told and you helped people understand us fairly better." Then I'm thinking, "Okay, you know what? That, that that's that passion that keeps me up at night trying mm-hmm. to aim for that." Yeah. That connection with yeah. uh, with your audience, which is uh, which is huge, of course. So, so you've covered everything from the eviction crisis to mm-hmm. the Boston Marathon bomber uh, to what you were talking about with uh, General Electric and Western Massachusetts. What are some of the other really memorable stories that you've come across uh, in your journalism career? Well. Um Oh, you're going to be disappointed by this answer because I think you hit you hit on the biggest one. <laughs> <laughs> I covered the gamut there. <laughs> um, look for for those of us um, who were in Boston during the uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. That is a definitive moment for um, the journalistic core mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so because that was just you know one of those. Moments where the unthinkable happens and you're sort of all of a sudden just working 24 hours a day trying to figure it out and everyone's working together. And we had the towards the end of that week when the manhunt um, sort of reached its apex and a million people in eastern Massachusetts were under a lockdown. The, you're talking about, you know, connection with audience Um People were calling me. I was using social media to reach out to folks. I was in the studio most of the time, but you really felt like um, the community needed to hear whatever it was that we were able to report. And there was a, a large of bit of forgiveness because it was, everything was moving so fast. So we were constantly saying, well, this thing that we said five minutes ago, we've got an update, et cetera, et cetera. But um, uh, the idea of value and service to community was really driven home then. And that was possibly the, the biggest and most um, thus far, locally, the most important story yeah. um, that, that I've covered. And it will always, it'll always stay with me. Well, and, and that's, a, that's a great example of the power of local journalism of this kind, that, that ability to connect with people on a local level, but also to draw them into a sense of community on a, on a local level. And, and it's local journalism, whether it's a radio talk show or a local news organization or a newspaper that, that has that unique power. I feel like that is, uh, that, that it's what drives mm-hmm. the need and that, that sort of, uh, key, key role that, that local journalism yeah. plays. Um, so can I just shamelessly plug you? Like, hey, Detroit, <laughs> Stephen is amazing, <laughs> and I am not pandering. I am not. I am not one I who did panders. Not pay you to say no. that? <laughs> no, no, no. I usually I'm just kind of like Meh. no, but like, look, I. This is one thing about how I sort of um, my how my career has evolved that really matters to me because there's no one who knows their communities better than the people who cover it in from the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how, like, every time we have you on to talk about what is happening in Detroit, what are the people of Detroit telling you, what matters, I, like, I, I want the nation to hear those voices. And so what I'm getting to is that, is that my personal experience as a local reporter and a local host is very much informing 
how we're approaching how we want to feature local voices on On Point as a national show. Mm-hmm. Like it, it means a lot to us to reach out to people like to like like you or Rose in Atlanta, uh, Luis in um, in Houston, and Lewis in Miami. Like we like we want to feature the best of local voices to tell the nation, like, you know what, when we talk about issues in Detroit, here's what we need to be talking about. Because it's not just like what's happening in Washington and how that has an effect on people. Well, how can we know what the effect is unless we talk to you, right? right? So so the, 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 it really matters. And I just, um, I've, <laughs> look, I'm saying this is now a national host, but I think the most valuable and important form of journalism going on right now outside of investigative journalism out of Washington is what's happening on the ground locally. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> that, that, you know, Detroit has, has folks like you, Stephen, because we need we need to know what's happening in our own communities. We just do. And and of course, we've been reminded this year through the pandemic in yep. particular uh, of the importance of that, but but also the power that it has. Uh, I mean, I, the the process of trying to survive during the pandemic, uh, of of saying goodbye to mm-hmm. members of our community, of trying to figure a way forward, has has really just reminded me over and over again of of that connection that that we're trying to establish and maintain with with our community, and it just it has been harder this year to 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 sort of soldier through that yeah. uh, in ways that uh, that I just would never have imagined before. So I'm going to ask you a question, can I? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not hijacking your show here, no, but No, go right ahead. <laughs> so to the point you just made, this is something I have been turning over in my head a lot and people ask me a lot and I'm not sure how to answer it. And that is given what we're all living through and how it has hit people, individuals, you, me, personally, the pandemic, politics, et cetera, how do you, like, what is the right journalistic tone to take? How, how do you know when to use the first person? Mm. That is a, that is a really great question. And it's, it's the question that just sort of turns over in my mind every day and every night, you know, in addition to being, you know, the host of this show and a journalist, I'm a, a Detroiter. I'm a Detroiter mm-hmm. by birth and now by choice. And it, this community is is mine in in a way that uh, that no other community could be, and so th- the role that I want to play is, I guess, just really outside the role that that we you know define for ourselves as journalists. Uh, you know, I, I have I have been uh, leaning into the idea that my emotions and my experiences through this matter to our listeners because they are a common bond between us, that that we're all going through it together. Uh, I keep saying that on Mm -hmm. the air over and over that, look, we really are in this together and I'm I'm having the same things happen to me in my world that, that you are experiencing as a as a listener, and uh, you know, I, I'll admit, I think uh, you know the, the the people who taught me to do journalism in college might be aghast at some of the things that uh, that we've said and and done on the air here. But but it all feels right. It all feels like what the moment calls us to do. Yeah, because to pretend as if you're standing outside of what's happening to your community, no one would listen to that. 
Yes. They just, why, why, I mean, why would they? Um, because they know that, like you said, you're a Detroiter and they need to hear, they need to come together around around your you know your your city and and to pretend that that isn't you're not in the middle of that mm-hmm. it would be a disservice i would say it would be a disservice to the very people who turn tune into you every day and also i i think that by i mean it's the full disclosure i think it's the new form of the full disclosure principle like mm. here's who i am here's where i come from and now that you know that you also know at the same time that i my, it actually enhances my capacity for fairness because when I ask certain questions, you're going to know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important and people understand that. And then, you know, when I, you know, sometimes the most thoughtful emails I get or tweets, mostly in emails, the thoughtful ones are in emails, <laughs> not on Twitter. But when people are pushing back on me, they're like, I heard that question. You explained sort of um, the perspective that you were trying to represent. Here's why I think – why I disagree. So we actually end up in a better dialogue that way versus pretending like um, there's sort of, sort of like voice of God, mm. false neutrality mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, there's an honesty that's yes. associated with that that I think people appreciate, even if they might say, hey, I, I, I want people to be straight with me and not not biased and things like that. I mean, it's, it, those are popular sentiments. But I think when uh, people are engaging with media, they actually respond better and more deeply uh, when when people are are honest and real about who they are and still trying to be fair, which is which is entirely possible. I think um, it, it doesn't compromise you uh, as a journalist to 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 do those things. No, and there's something in particular that we can do on the radio. Um, and I know you do because I hear you just doing it on when you're on the show on On Point with me and you do it every day uh, on Detroit Today is that in turn that active listening, right? Mm-hmm. Like giving a, a person the space to have their say and really just sort of like listening to every word and listening inside of their comments and thoughts and, find, and, and, and finding that moment where you're like, okay, well, when you said X because you really heard it, right? And gave them the the dignity and respect of that listening. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you what did you mean by right, that? Right. And I think people people really respond to that because that I feel is a powerful demonstration of of the kind of fairness that we're and honesty that we're aiming for. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking with Magna Chakrabarty, the host of WBUR's On Point, which airs right here on WDET weekdays at 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. right after Detroit Today. Uh, Magna, I want to ask you about how you're feeling about the things that have happened this year and all the turmoil. And you you get to see it each day from a national perspective. Uh, I, I wonder whether you're optimistic about our future, our future as a country, our future as a people. Do things seem like they will rebound in an important way anytime soon? And w- will we make it through all of this uh, in, in your estimation? So I believe that I am a short-term realist and a long-term optimist. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and I say that because it's this country is at a it's being tested. There's no doubt about that. Um, 
we are all, no matter where we come from, or what our backgrounds or our beliefs are, we are all being tested. And history, I think history does this. It, it, it winds itself up to a point where there is a national crisis, or in, in the case of the United States right now, crises. Mm -hmm. So the question, so, so that's my short-term realism. I, I don't know how the immediate, I don't know how this country will do in these immediate tests. Like, I can't say for sure. Um, but my long-term optimism, uh, and I don't want this to sound Pollyanna-ish, Stephen. I really don't. Um, but I, I, I kind of do fundamentally believe in certain things about this nation, mm. that, that if we're willing to work together, we can get it right. It's, and, and it's hard. It is hard. Oh, my gosh. And, <laughs> and, and challenging um, in that process. But I, I think we can. And, and I ask myself every day, well, if, you know, because if we don't, what other option? What other option do we have? That, I think that's the long-term optimism, right? Like, what other option do we have if not to try to work towards a better America? And I, I find myself in the same place, but I also find myself saying it, it needs to be a different America. Mm -hmm. I mean, it needs to be a fundamentally different America. And that's where I get hung up, I think, on the optimism part, because I don't know. I don't know that we are up to the challenge of forming that different America. Like how much change are, are most people willing to indulge? Um, I think we've seen in history that the answer is sometimes they're not willing to in, indulge or endure enough change quickly enough, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that is true. Are we at one of those moments? Maybe we are. Um, I, I'm only pausing because I... I just don't I don't know the I don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. I cannot pretend to know. But what I want to believe is that in the long run um the change is that 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 history to the two steps forward one step back. Mm -hmm. Maybe if are we in a one step back, maybe a two step back situation? I don't know, but I, I think we will eventually take those steps forward. I wish it were easier. I definitely wish it were faster. Um, but I hope that we continue to look at least look in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope so too. And I think if we don't do it at this point, I, you know, with with all of the things that call us to do it, if we can't do it now. I, I, I will be less optimistic, I think, uh, that it will ever happen. I mean, I, I can't think of a more compelling mix of events and emotions that say to us, we, we, we got to be different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just think, I'll just give you one last thought here, yeah. that there are um, terrible poisons in American culture and history. Obviously, inequity, racism. Sexism, all the isms. Mm -hmm. Though I am not denying that they are there, and at the same time, I am hope. What I what I want what I want to be hopeful about 
is that I, I want to believe that all of us fundamentally think, well, having a decent standard of life, treating each other with dignity and respect, taking care of each other as fellow Americans is a basic goal that we all believe in. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if that is the case, then maybe that's the big question of am I optimistic around that if. But if that is the case, then I think we will slowly head in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. Meghna Chakrabarty, host of WBUR's On Point. Of course, it is always great to talk with you. Thank you very much for joining us on my show here in Detroit, Detroit Today. Stephen, you're awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. Talk again tomorrow.